0: It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. In your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. Prayer, faith, and healing, class or school, whatever you want to call it. The Lord put this on my heart, so I'm going to go ahead and minister it out to you because it's something that you'll probably have to deal with at one time or another. And so you want to deal with it correctly according to the Word of God. Amen? Yeah. Now, the subject, if you were going to give a title or a, a subject to, to what we want to teach on today, it would be this. It would be carrying your loved ones in faith. Yeah. Anybody interested in that? Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll hit a few things and, and from experience and from the revelation of the Word of God that will help you. Um understand how to uh, be the most effective agent uh, you know in you know in your family circle family situation friend situation uh, and being a witness for the Lord and helping people getting prayers answered so we'll deal with healing we'll talk about healing a little bit healing deliverance things like that finances uh, so that you'll understand that there are limitations to you believing God for other people. A lot of people don't realize that and like, well, don't you just pray and believe God and God will do it? Well, you know, God is uh, uh, the God that operates within the perimeters of His Word. And a lot of times people, they, they, they hope a lot toward a, a loved one or a friend or somebody. I think, you know, uh, I've got a brother or sister. I've got an aunt or uncle. i got somebody really needs a touch from the Lord, a, a healing touch, a, a, you know, breakthrough in their finances or something like that. Uh, So, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to pray and just believe God will do it. A lot of people get very frustrated in their faith in that situation in trying to carry a loved one. Now, first of all, let's talk about children. You can carry your children, husbands and wives most effectively, but if you're a single mom or a single dad, uh, you can carry your children uh, for a certain amount of time. Uh, And I think many times, uh, especially parents, try to, exercise faith for their children beyond uh, its limit and get frustrated in trying to do it uh, but you know if you've got a child that grows up in your house and you expose them to the word of God and you expose them to teaching of the teaching of the word of God you know they grow up they they come up through Sunday school and teen torrent things like that or or you as a parent teach them the word of God and they have uh, teaching on the word of God there comes a time in their life in which mom and dad's faith doesn't work anymore it just don't work, and and the more you try to work it, the less the more frustrated you're going to be, uh, because there's a time in which uh, 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 they have to stand on their own faith. And now for Lee and I, our daughter's 16, and I guess it was back when she was what 14, 14 or 15, probably 14, we begin to recognize some areas in her life where we couldn't carry her in faith anymore. She had to do it herself. She had to do it herself. Now. Once your child gets up around 18, 19, 20, leaves home, starts going to college, things like that, and they have knowledge of the Word of God, then God requires them to grow up and exercise their own faith. But if you have a child that's grown up into that area and they have no knowledge of the Word of God, then there is an area in which you can pray and believe God for them and that that, and, and that's the, they will gain that knowledge. That's where the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 the prayer in Colossians chapter 1, the prayer in Philippians chapter 1, that's where those prayers are very effective. Now, if you've got children also that are away from God, that were brought up in the things of God and are not serving God anymore, your most effective prayer for them is to pray as if you would, uh, 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 according to what the, uh, uh, the parable or the story of the prodigal son is, uh, that they would come to themselves and recognize that there's bread in the father's house. Now, let me say this, because this will also help you. If you're a parent, there is also a a dimension of authority that you can exercise, especially over the adversary, over the devil. If you've got a a son or a daughter uh, that's gotten into some things that are, you know are wrong or negative or sin in their life, there is an element of authority that you can exercise, but you've got to exercise it you got to build your faith up. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to break the power of the devil over this individual. And I guarantee you, you can see it happen. It'll absolutely happen. It happened in my life. My parents did that over me. Now, there was a time factor involved in that. And if you're not willing to accept that time factor, then you probably won't be able to fight that fight. But if you will make a decision, I'm going to fight that fight, and I'm not going to give up, my child's going to serve God, then I guarantee you, God will vindicate your faith in praying that child back into the kingdom of God and breaking the power of Satan over their life. And so that's, what's, that's one of the things that you have to do in order to make sure, you know, if God promised a Philippian jailer that he and his whole household would be saved, then that promise is true to you today. And you've got to stand on that promise and believe God, and stand on that and exercise your authority and believe God that they'll be set free and delivered. Amen? Now, <laughs> uh, for loved ones, let's talk about finances first because that's pretty much the easiest. You say, what do you mean The easiest. Uh, You know, you've got, uh, say you're a, you know, you've got an aunt, uncle, brother, sister come to you and say, you know, I hear you go to a church where they pray and God answers their prayer and believe in God. I need some money. Would you pray for me that God will give me money? Well, it won't work. You say, it won't work? It won't work. It just won't work, period. You say, why won't it work, period? Well, because there is a protocol required. Now, let me say this. This might help some of you. There is a dimension of God's mercy where He will give mercy to a situation. But many times that's very rare. You say, why is that very rare? Well, number one, in finances, God, uh, God expects obedience. You say, what do you mean by obedience? Well, in order for people to appropriate finances into their lives. Say, well, you know, I don't, we don't have any money. We don't, you know, we're, we're not doing very well financially. Well, if you're a believer, the reason is, is because you're not obeying God. Now, people don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that because they believe, well, we're doing everything we do, 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 do are doing to obey God. You've got to obey God with practical, applicable faith in your situation. And I'm going to tell you how it is. You've got to tithe and offer. You've got to believe God, tithe and offer to appropriate any kind of finances you may need in your own life. Now, for a loved one, again, one of the best things you can do is pray for them to have revelation of the Word of God. Because when it comes to finances and money, it's a process for God to get finances and money into your life. Certainly God can do a miracle. Certainly God can multiply the fishes and the loaves. Are you with me? But in most cases, what it is, is people mishandle money and want God to bail them out. or want somebody that's got some faith to pray for them that God will bail them out. Can I get a better amen than that? You say, what do you mean by that? If you mishandle money, you get in trouble. And if you walk in wisdom and walk in faith, God will show you things coming down the road where you won't mishandle money and you'll be able to uh, you know if a if a if a lean season is coming. Look what God did for Joseph. He he took and prepared 7 years for 7 years of drought and famine that took place. If God would do that under an old covenant, what well, what makes you think God wouldn't do that under the new covenant? Amen. I mean he would prepare he would prepare a, a Israel at different times and they would store up because God knew that that in the earth, things were coming up on the earth. God will do the same thing for believers. So when it comes to your loved ones coming to you and asking you to pray for finances, number one, the best thing you can do is get them saved. Because if you can get them saved, you can get the Word of God in them. If you can get the Word of God in them, then you can get them flowing in the financial blessings of God. But a lot of times I think people say, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just try this, try that, try this, try that. You don't need to do that. Faith is a very specific force. I heard a story one time. It was a documentary on the uh, the history of warfare uh, when it comes to airplanes. You know the 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 the. You know we have these big jets these today. And Ali uh, uh, and I watched a deal the other night on a uh, uh, on a, a special group of guys. Uh, a seal team force was delivered to a certain place in helicopters that had never been seen before. These helicopters cannot be seen on radar and the only noise they make is the noise of the propellers turning around. You know, we didn't even know those existed until a couple of years ago. The first time any type of aircraft was used in order to, in order to uh, uh, bring warfare onto the battlefield was a, was a biplane in World War I in which an individual literally after flying over the battlefield and taking pictures so the commanders could see a better layout of the battlefield, went up the next day, and all he had was a hammer. And so in the heat of the battle, he threw that hammer out of the airplane, hoping it would hit somebody. You see what I'm saying? And, and, you know, the next day, he took up a pistol, and and he had six shots, boom, 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 boom. Well, somebody might have got hit or not, I don't know. And about three or four days later after that, he figured out, He brought up a box of grenades. Now he was getting more effective when he brought that box of grenades up there. But today, they got bombs that they can put your address on. And it'll come down your street and ring your doorbell. And it won't blow up your neighbor on the right. It won't blow up your neighbor on the left. It'll blow you up. You say, what point are you trying to make by that, preacher? Faith is very specific. There should be very specific things. That's why sometimes when you go, you know, your loved ones, you can tell they're down, they're out, they're, and you go to them and say, well, uh, uh, can I pray for you about anything? Well, well, yeah, just, just, you know, just pray for me. I've heard people say that. Just pray for, I just need prayer. Just pray for me. Well, what does that mean? Just, just pray for you? You know, no, there has to be something specific. Y'all have seen it before if y'all have been around the church much, here on the altar where people come up in the altar call and say, well, I just need prayer. Well, we could all say that, but faith works in a very specific way. Amen? It works in a very specific way to bring a very specific answer. Are you with me? It should be aimed at a target. Now, when praying for loved ones, many of them don't understand that, they have no understanding of literally praying. For something very specific so that you know that when God answers that prayer, that was God. God gets the glory out of all of that. Let's put it this way. God doesn't want anybody saying, I just lucked out. Amen. Amen? He wants everybody to know that God has done this in my life. Now, when it comes to healing, now this is a unique area. Uh, Did you find Luke chapter 5? Let's read the scripture a little bit, then we'll talk about healing. Because this is really a unique area. Did you find Luke 5, let's let's begin there in verse 17, Luke 5, 17, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, now notice this, as he was teaching, he's teaching the word, he said that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Everybody say the power of the Lord was present to heal. Now there are times in which the power of the Lord is present to heal. You say, now what do you mean? Now, now the the, the key word in that scripture is the word present. You say, what do you mean present? Well, the power of the Lord's present all the uh, the power of the Lord's present everywhere all the time. It's everywhere. Amen. It's all. It's every. But when it comes down and is funneled into a specific place at a specific time to do specific things and manifest in a specific way. There are times, many times, when even the recipient of it is surprised by what God does. Were any of y'all in the main service on Sunday? There was a woman that came forward that was all wrecked with pain. Did y'all see her? And the Spirit of God hit her, instantly healed her, and she was like, oh my God, she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. I mean, she, her, her face, you could tell on her face it's like somebody had, had kind of gave her a slap, you know. She was like, and you could see, Lee and I stood there for a minute and watched her search her entire body for pain, and there wasn't any there. Well, the power of the Lord was present to heal her. You say, could have any of others got in on it? Well, I don't know. That's up to the Spirit of God. That's not up to us. That's a unique and different manifestation, working of uh, 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 gifts of healing in manifestation like that. Lee and I have seen that for years with people in pain and people with back problems, things like that. But listen, anytime the Word of God is taught, the power of God is present to heal or to deliver or to save or to set free. It is there for that purpose. That's the purpose of the Word of God being taught by the anointing and being taught by a ministry gift. You say, well, was Jesus a ministry gift? Yes, he stood in all five offices. He was an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So he's there. And I guarantee you I know what he was preaching. He was preaching the same thing he was preaching in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the Lord. He's up there preaching that very message, and the power of God was present to heal. Now, notice this. This is interesting. It says, uh, And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Verse uh, 18 says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by, when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now notice this. And when Jesus saw their faith. Now there's two elements here to believe in God for loved ones, friends, and family. When it comes to receiving healing. Now there is your faith. There's the part that your faith plays. Now, now let me just say this. Uh, uh, with your children... You know, you can carry your children with healing. You know, up into their late teens, sometimes even into their early twenties. Uh, when it comes to uh, close relatives, your mother, your father, uh, people like that. Many times you can pray with them. We prayed with with Leah, Leah's dad, and 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 uh, uh, her mom several times for healing, different ones. You know, you can run, you can you can carry them on your faith. But whether they retain that or not, many times is going to be up to them. Amen. But now if you get into a situation where you have a friend, you have a loved one, you have somebody that that may not have the faith that you have, that may not have the knowledge that you have, there are some areas in which you can carry them in. I wish I had my phone with me. I'd show you uh, I don't know how many texts that I've texted over the past year and two months uh, to Mr. Bill Carter. Uh, I actually texted him last night. Uh, He's going in for his last treatment today. He sent me a text, and I sent him a text. And every time I send him a text, I send him in that text the Word of God. The Word of God. I've sent him books. I've sent him CDs. I've talked with him. I've prayed with him personally. And there is an element to carrying him, but he's doing his best to believe what he knows according to the knowledge that he has. He tells me in his text he's never been closer to God. He's never experienced the presence of God like he has. He's never experienced the peace of God like he has. And he began, you know, he, let me just say it like this. He is someone cooperating. Now, if you find someone that does not cooperate, you're going to find it very difficult. Because people have uh, preconceived religious ideas in their mind, especially if you deal with denominational people. If you deal with people that have sat under denominational teaching that talk about, well, God doesn't heal today. There's no healing power on the earth today. Or that God is very selective in who He heals, which is erroneous doctrine. Actually, Paul called that a doctrine of devils. Well, God chooses to heal this one over here, but doesn't choose to heal that one over there. That's not true. The doctrine of healing is this. Anyone that desires to be healed can be healed by the power of God. Anyone that desires to be saved can get saved. It is not up to God. It's up to the recipient to receive it. But there are a lot of people that just will not accept it. And if you find yourself in a place where someone will not accept it, you're going to find yourself in an uphill struggle that may leave you very frustrated, especially if at the end of the day, if somebody dies, goes on to heaven, thank God we believe they at least get saved, amen. But if they don't uh, uh, receive healing, that can very much frustrate you and cause doubt to rise up in your mind when it comes to your own healing and your own health. So you've got to be very careful because many times trying to carry a loved one or a close friend that will not cooperate with you in faith is a trap. Did you hear what I just said? It's a trap because if they're fighting and bucking against everything you're trying to tell them, especially with a religious mindset, now, if you got somebody just like, and I've had people do this before, too, that were sick, that were infirmed, and the people that I grew up with, that, you know, their lifestyle caught up with them. They ended up with cancer and different, different types of diseases. And they're just kind of like, hey, man, I, you know, I don't, even if God would heal me, I don't want to be healed. You know, I, I live my life like I wanted to, and, and, and this is the end result. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get anything from God. I don't want to owe Him nothing. I don't want Him to owe me nothing. I mean, there's people that that's their mindset. And you can't pray them out of, the, out of the hospital. And you can't pray them off the deathbed. So don't wear yourself out. The best thing to do is to just make sure they're born again. Just make sure they're saved. Then you'll see them in heaven again. Amen. But to try to get some great miraculous healing. You say, well, I heard this happen. I heard That doesn't mean God won't do a miracle. That doesn't mean it can't happen. But it is very rare that it does. Because people, listen, that are in doubt, unbelief, or have religious mindsets, literally, they don't want to be healed. I had a friend that pastored a church, and he came out of a certain denomination, and, and there's a, uh, this denomination does believe in being born again, believes in the new birth. But they also believe that much of the negative things that happen to you in life is the sins of your past catching up with you that you must pay for which is another doctrine of devils. You say, why is that? Because Jesus has already paid for those sins. His blood was the purchase price to cleanse us from all of the trespasses and the iniquity, the motivation to sin in the first place. Well, she's dying of cancer. And, 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 and he's like, you know, it's his mother. He's like, Mom, let me pray for you. Let me. And she's like, No, don't. She said, this is actually what she told him. She said, This is the way, this is what God has given me to glorify him with, as I pay for the mistakes of my past, and I'll know for sure that I get to go to heaven. Well, my Lord. I mean, what are you gonna do with that? Especially if somebody's convinced. Of? All he really did was was, all he w- really did was to make sure she was born again, make sure she knew she we was saved, make sure she knew heaven was her home, and then watch her go through the process of dying, which was very heartbreaking to him. Amen. So, you know, I've always said this: choose your fights. Don't pick up just any old fight that comes your way. Because if you pick up any old fight that comes your way, you may be very disappointed. Now, here's a guy that has the palsy. You know, he's a he, he can't walk. Uh, he's crippled. Uh, however the palsy cripples you, he's crippled like that. Uh, uh, but somehow, he's got four guys. Everybody say four guys. That are willing to work with him to get him healed. Now, This is also a great point when it comes to friends and believers in the body of Christ together. If you're in a a major attack of the enemy against your physical body, you need people that will agree with your faith. You need people that will stand with you. You need people that will pray with you. I've had people come to me. I bless their hearts. I really don't know what their motivation is. But I've had people come to me and say, You know, we've been diagnosed with this and diagnosed with that, and and it's a very emotional thing, and we want to keep it very private. We want to keep it very private. We don't want anybody to know. We want personal private ministry. We don't want to be called up in front of the church. You know, that is just stupid. And I'm going to call it for what it is. It is just stupid. Listen, if I'm sick, I want everybody I know praying. I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to get on the internet. I might put a sign up on the highway. That says the devil is attacking my body. Would everybody please pray? Come on, church. What kind of pride is that? That's what it is. It's just spiritual stupidity and pride that, oh, it's a private thing and nobody ought to know. And so I guess when you get a great miracle, nobody's going to know. God's not going to get glorified. He's not going to get magnified. Amen. Amen. No, God, listen, God loves us to get out in front of everybody and say we're going to fight this thing out and we got four or five people or four or five thousand people. We want everybody to know what we're doing and we want everybody to know what we're believing for. Yeah. Now the power of God is present to heal. These guys, that they figure it out. I don't know how they sensed it. Maybe they stopped and listened to some of the teaching. But it motivated them to do whatever it took. Let that soak in a minute. Now, it did not take four. It took five. Because if you're a guy on a stretcher and you can't walk, it takes some faith for somebody to carry you up on a roof. Amen? Which means you can't get anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. You know, grandma, quit. Quit walking on that cane. She ain't going to do it if she's not willing to do it. Quit taking all that medicine. They're not going to do it if they're not willing to do it. Quit going and getting those treatments. They're not to, In dealing with Mr. Carter over the past year or so, going through this with him, never at one time did I tell him, don't take no more of that treatment. Don't do that. You can't tell people what to do or what not to do when it comes to what doctors are telling them people are different generationally amen i mean my dad i mean if the doctor says stand on your head and kick one foot my dad's gonna be standing on his head kicking one foot i'm not like that i mean i read too many books you know i read all the books dead doctors don't lie all that kind of stuff and so i'm very cautious when we go to doctors, we ask lots of questions. We want to know why are you doing this, why are you doing that, why are you giving me this, why are you giving. We uh, literally, one of the things about previous generations is previous generations were schooled to give the responsibility of their health over to someone else. But now, 2017, that's not very popular because people have realized if I give the responsibility of my health over to someone else, they may not do. They might not have my best interest at heart. I mean, they might just be trying to make some money, write me a prescription, send me down the road because they make so much on kickbacks on prescriptions. That's what, that's what doctors do sometimes. So you've got to make a decision. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to find out about what my options are. I've always told people this. If you get diagnosed with a major condition, you, ought to, you need to get a second opinion. I don't know who that's for, but you need to hear it. You say, why? Because the first opinion might not be right. Did you know statistics bear it out? That only sixty percent of diagnoses by specialists are right. That means forty percent of diagnoses of specialists are wrong. They they busted. I saw this on the news about about two months ago. Uh, uh, they arrested a whole group of doctors. It was up here. I think it was Michigan, uh, up up north somewhere. They arrested a whole group of doctors that have that had sent over two. Hundred and fifty people through chemotherapy pre- treatment who did not have cancer. You know why they did it? They did it for the money. They did it for the money, and they finally caught them because one of the one of the the, the technicians that was doing this recognized the health of some individual and told them, why don't you get a second opinion? They got a second opinion. said, you ain't got cancer. Went and got a third opinion. said, you ain't got cancer. That's why you've got to pray, seek God and find out what's really going on with me. What's really going on with me? And and so this guy, he's got four friends that are willing to cooperate with his faith. Amen. And so they go to where Jesus, they go to where the word is being taught and there is, there is, Resistance and opposition. They can't get in. They can't get into the building. The building is packed. The house is packed. Wherever he's at, everybody's there. And not only that, there's probably a group of people there, the Pharisees and the lawyers and doctors of the law, that that are really not for this guy. They're against this guy. So there could have been some outside opposition. You know, you need to get away from it. You don't need to be doing it. No. But they wouldn't, listen, they wouldn't be denied. They went up on the house Went upon the housetop, started removing the tiles. Now notice, notice this. It said, when they could not find uh, find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let down, uh, let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, First of all, their faith could be seen. Their faith could be seen. And anytime you're acting in faith, it can be seen. Remember when we studied, uh, I think it was back in the fall, about the works of faith, how your works of faith, and sometimes maybe all your work of faith may be is your worship and praise. How Abraham glorified God. It may be your worship and praise. So, well, I don't know. The Lord hadn't really told me to quit taking my medication. The Lord hadn't told me to quit uh, taking treatments. But you can worship God until God does say something. Amen. But then Jesus did not deal with the apparent, perceived issue. Now, you need to hear that very, very plainly, especially if you're believing God with somebody. Believing God with some, some relative, some, some loved one. And all of a sudden, the issue may not be their healing, it may be their salvation. Because now remember this about God. God delivers no one to go back into a place in which they used to be. He doesn't want to heal your lungs so you can go back and smoke crack again. He don't want to heal your liver so you can go back and drink, you know, two quarts of Jack Daniels every day. He he doesn't want to heal whatever it is in your body that got messed up because of a lifestyle. He don't want want that healed. He don't want to use his power to to heal you, deliver you, or set you free for you to go back into that because probably if you go back into that, it's going to be worse than it ever was. It will end up literally destroying you quicker than it would if you had never known anything about this stuff. Peter actually said it like this. It's better if you never knew than to know it and turn away from it. Amen. So he dealt with the sin issue. Now, let me say this. We don't have really the time to do this. But with much of the healing ministry, the issue is the sin issue. I was dealing with a situation with a friend of mine and his wife. She had gotten ill. She had gotten ill. And I gave her a couple of books. I gave them a couple of books to read to prepare them uh, for ministry to be healed. And so uh, they read one book and they brought it back and they were mad. And they said, well, you know, this book says the reason that I'm sick is sin. And as far as I know, I'm not doing anything wrong. And so I said, well, show me that in the book. So they went to the place where it was. They would actually marked it in the book. They showed it to me in the book. And I said, well what you're saying is or what you're thinking is is that one individual act of sin has brought this on you. And they were like, yeah, yeah, and I can't think of anything I've done that's brought this on me. And I said, that's not what this book is saying. This book is saying that you go back to the original sin, which was the doorway for all sickness and all disease to come into the earth. And your participation with iniquity and trespass leaves the door wide open. So it is a sin issue because if you cannot realize that your sins are forgiven, you'll never feel worthy enough to receive anything God has for you. The enemy will always talk you out of it, always make you think you're just a, you know, just a worm in the dirt, you're just a you know a poor old sinner, that you're this or that. He'll always talk you out of it by your own behavioral or mindset or by your own actions, he'll talk you right out of it. Now, let me just say this. God's healed me of several things, several major things in my life. And since I've been healed to today, in between the time, I've had to ask God to forgive me for some things. But not one of those things I'd had to ask God to forgive me for took my healing away from me. You say, why didn't it take your healing away? Because the sin issue was settled a long time ago. I settle the sin issue by saying this. I'm born again and my sins are remitted. And as a born again believer, if I do anything that is sinful, then I will confess it unto my heavenly Father, who is faithful and just, to forgive me of all sin and unrighteousness because of the blood of my Jesus Christ, Lord, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Are you with me? So that should take care of the sin problem. So sin should never open a door for sickness and disease in the life of any believer. If they, if they operate correctly according to the word of God. Now, the first thing he does, he deals with, man, your sins are forgiven. You now notice, notice what's happening. The scribes, the Pharisees begin to reason saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Religious people. Now, you've got to understand this because so many of you have loved ones that are, you know, they're, they're from different denominations and different uh, sects of Christianity. That really, if you boil it down to most of the denominations in the earth today, they have left faith and grace-based reality and went into works. I mean, they've done it. You can, you can, you can see that by going out and say, how many denominations? You, you start taking all the denominations, you go the, the Baptist, the Methodist, you, start, you can talk about the Pentecostal Assembly of God, four square. You can talk about uh, the Baptist, uh, both the uh, Southern Baptist, which is, you know, the real hard-shell Baptist. You can talk about the the free will or the free Baptist. You can talk about Methodist. You can talk about Lutheran. You can talk about Episcopal. You can talk about all these different uh, 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 denominations and and different uh, Catholic. You can talk about Catholic. And when you boil it all down, most of them do not preach. Now, a couple of them do. A couple of them do. But most of them do not get up and proclaim as a foundational statement of what they believe, the new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. Jesus said that. Jesus said, you must be born again. As recently as last week, I heard somebody say that. I literally heard somebody say, I I believe that I can be good enough to get to heaven. You can't be. No one on the planet can be good enough because people do not go to heaven or hell based on what they do or don't do. They go to heaven or hell based on who they are. There are only a certain kind of people that get into heaven. You say, who are those? Those that are born again. Who can get born again? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So they begin to reason among themselves. Why? Because they were law. They were legalistic. They were works oriented. They had to have works in order to be be pleasing to God. And Jesus was closing the book on that dispensation and opening the book on another dispensation and standing in his position as deity. Did you know what he could do? He could forgive sins. This is a rejection of him as Messiah. Now notice what it says. The scribes and Pharisees begin to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies. Who can can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus should have just put his hand up. (laughs) But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. Now, you know, of course, they thought, I guarantee you, they probably thought, just to say your sins be forgiven is probably easier than telling this guy to rise up and walk because this guy's a mess. This guy had to have four people to bring him. I mean, he didn't just come in with some guy carrying him. He's got four people bearing him on a stretcher. He's in a, re- he's in a real financial strait. So Jesus put this challenge out to them as proof of who he was. He's trying to convince religious people of his, of his, of his, uh, the element of deity in him and of him being the Messiah. That which they'd been believing God for. See, he didn't hide himself from Jewish people. Amen. What happened was their eyes were darkened. And their eyes were darkened because of rejection. God knew that, foretold that, knowing that that would happen, which is good news for us because we get in on a covenant. Amen. But now notice what happened. Uh, he said, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to, the, to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go to thy house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed unto his own house. I like his last two words. Glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things this day. But here's the thing. It inspired no one else to get healed. One man got healed. They all could have got healed. But now we're we're zeroing in on believing God with people, loved ones, friends, people that we know, we know the, the, uh, the, the nobleman's son. How many remember the nobleman's son? He came to Jesus. He, he, he talked about uh, his son being uh, tormented and vexed, all that type of stuff taking place. And, and when Jesus began to talk to him, the nobleman made a wonderful statement. He said, Help thou my unbelief. Amen. And before it was over, Jesus had already healed his son the very same hour he began to believe. The Syrophoenician woman came with a daughter grievously vexed of a devil. The Syrophoenician woman uncovenanted to Jesus. She was considered a half-breed, Syrophoenician area over there. But she would not be denied, and all she needed was just a partial of a revelation of hung on to that, got her daughter delivered, and, and Jesus said of her, you've got great faith. Great is your faith, woman. I've not seen faith in, in the entire uh, family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not, I haven't seen such great faith as faith this. So the point is, any attack on you personally, you must mount a detailed strategy against that attack. You should already be prepared, which I believe you are. You come to these classes. You come to church. You hear the teaching. You you, you must continually build yourself up so that when the attack comes, you're not in a position in which you can be defeated. Amen? Because we do not fight into victory. So many people believe in God for victory. I quit doing that. I used to ask people, how many people believe in God for victory? The whole church, oh, we believe in God for it. And I quit doing that because we don't believe God for victory. We've already got victory. We fight from the standpoint of victory. We already have it. The law, the spirit of life in Christ has already set us free from the law of sin and death. So we don't fight into the victory, we fight from the standpoint of victory. Are you with me? Now, you must have that, but when it comes to your loved ones, you've got to begin to pay very close attention Number one, everybody say number one, to how they speak. You say, what do you mean to how they speak? By your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. Uh, I heard a testimony. Oh, it's been here a couple of months ago. Listened to one of my uh, uh, teachings on the what I listened to in my truck. And, uh, and actually, I knew this individual. Knew him well. Did, did meetings with him. He died 39 years old. He died. And I'm telling you, this guy was a powerhouse. And uh, we preach meetings in, in Europe together and here in the United States together, and he got sick and he got sicker and he got sicker and sicker and sicker, and uh, and man he had ever known faith giant in in uh, in uh, in the world lay hands on him and pray over him and and speak the word over him and prophesy that he'd rise up and be healed and he died 39 years of age, he died at the at the at the faith center when Oral Roberts still had his hospital in in Tulsa, and. Uh, just perplexed everybody. Everybody was like, how'd that happen? You know, how does that happen? Well, uh, at the uh, uh, funeral, uh, one of the ministers got to talking to his brother. And he said, you know, when we were kids, we were just kids. He said, you know, we're kidding around one day. And he said, all of a sudden, he got very serious. And he said, he looked at me and he said this. He said, "Uh, you know, I'll never see my 40th birthday. And he said, not only that, He said, I heard him say it several more times. And he said, not only that, his mother, when talking to his mother, his mother said, yeah, I heard him say it several times. He set a man of faith set a spiritual law in motion. I watched my grandmother do it and die in her early 60s. She she said, for years, I can remember as a child, I was her first grandchild, and, and I remember for years her saying, I'll never live to be old and have anybody take care of me. And here's what's amazing she got attacked with cancer, she stood in faith and got healed of cancer, and they declared her cancer-free, and she died the next day. You say, why? They set spiritual laws in motion. Even unbelievers can set spiritual laws in motion that God himself. Man, it was real popular back in my day for you to say, I ain't going to live and see my 21st birthday. I'm going to live hard and fast with a good-looking corpse. Come on man. I heard a lot of people say that. I never said that. I never said that. I I, I want to live longer than 21. Amen. But if you listen closely to your loved ones, I it's very popular in this area to say, I've got a Christian friend that has said this, and every time I hear him say it, I just and I've tried to correct him. Good man. Good Christian man. But he's he worked at the plants for 40 years. And this he says it all the time. You know what he says? He says, Well, I know I've got something. Because you can't work at these plants for 40 years and not have something. You know what he's gonna get? He's gonna get something. I mean, it's just amazing that I mean, I've heard people say that about, you know, well, you know, the cancer rates in this area are so high, it's inevitable. It's, it's, it's inevitable. You're gonna end up no. If you can correct somebody's continual confession or speech, do it. If not, you need to target that and recognize that they may have set a spiritual law into motion that you can't usurp because God will not usurp that. So it's very dangerous. I've heard smokers say that. I think we had a lady up in the, in the, in the prayer line uh, Sunday morning, and the Lord showed me by a word of knowledge. And I said, I said you know, you, were you a smoker? She said, yes. And I said, You know, you think, because she has lung cancer, and I said, you think, well, this is inevitable that I'm going to get it. But, you know, the Bible says when we get born again, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. That old things pass away, all things become new. I believe that that can be as far as any lifestyle that you were into that caused you to become sick or infirmed. But, see, a lot of people won't buy into that because they still think they got to pay for something. Amen. Secondly, You can't help. The closer someone is to you, you can't help but have emotional involvement. Now let me say that again. The closer someone is to you, you can't help but have emotional involvement. Now let me say this. We'll close. My time's almost up. Emotional involvement on one level is okay. That's all right. But on another level, it will be destructive to your faith. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, you somebody close to you gets a bad diagnosis and they come cry on your shoulder. Well, weep with those that weep. But get them to stop weeping and get them into joy. Amen? Because what will happen many times because of the strength of emotion, without you realizing it, Emotion can pull you over into unbelief. Now, what is emotion? Feelings. I mean, the enemy will get up. I remember coming into the Sombrito Ranch a year ago this past January, and I knew when I got there, there was something different. I mean, there was a spirit there. And so uh, the guy who's really Mr. Carter's right-hand man you know, after everything, everybody had kind of checked in, and we were, he and I were talking, fixing to go do a couple of things that we do before we start the hunt, I, I, I asked him, I said, what's up, what's going on around here, you know, and he said, well, Mr. Carter's been diagnosed with cancer, nobody knows it, nobody knows it, I said, yeah, I said, you think nobody knows it, I said, you can feel it, you can feel it around here, and so, uh, I believed God for an opportunity because Mr. Carter doesn't do anything but just kind of sit there, you know, and, and, and hang out with everybody. He doesn't guide hunts anymore or anything like that. But they had killed a big mountain lion the week before, and he was interested in going out and seeing. See, it was a big male. He thought there might have been a big female with that big male, so he was interested. So he asked me to go out and sit in a blind with him on, the av- on an afternoon. And I knew when he put me in the truck and we made, made a certain turn, I knew we were going up on the hill where he had built, built a nice, beautiful uh, cross and a gazebo and an altar to pray. And we got out of the truck, I could see tears just rolling down his face. And it touched me. I mean, it touched me. And I had to get a hold of myself. I had to get a hold because here's this this man. I mean, he's a man's man. Nobody on planet Earth has killed more African lions than Bill Carter. Nobody. I mean, this is a man's man. And, And all of a sudden, he's broken. I mean, he is broken. And he's down at that altar. And I had to take a moment and get a hold of myself and get the emotion out of the situation. Because if the emotion would have remained in the situation, I'd ended up like him. That's what emotion will do. It will draw you to that, to that side of the thing. When that's not what you're trying to do, you're trying to pull them to your side of the thing. Amen. Amen. So I took a few moments. I got my breath. I wiped my eyes. And I got over there and I put my hand in the middle of his back and I knelt down and I prayed a prayer. I rebuked cancer. I rebuked the, the, the spirit of it. I rebuke, listen, there was authority in my voice. There was power in my words. uh, There was a result because he was telling everybody goodbye. This was his goodbye trip. He was telling everybody, it's been a good run, but now it's over. He had no fight in him. But when he got up off his knees from that altar, from that prayer at that altar, he had a fight in him. He had a fight in him. I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to live and not die. And he's been fighting it ever since. Well, he's still alive. Fourteen months later, and I I, I prophesy he'll be alive five years from now. He'll be alive. You say, why? Because he made a decision to live and not die. Many times when it's a life and death situation, people already give up. They accept it. Amen. Now, let me close. One more thing. The elderly. Situation of, of one of the, guys I play badminton with on Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, he's a judge up here at the uh, 122nd District Court. His mother-in-law is 87. They're good, strong Christian people, and she's uh, she's dying. And so as we were playing, you know, uh, we had a moment, we were back getting a drink of water, and I said, uh, I said, if you and your wife released her? And he said, yeah. He said, we do. that's what we went up there this weekend to do. We went up to uh, just release her and let her go. I was in a meeting one time, and Four, four family members came up, and they were just weeping. I mean, they were just crying and weeping and just, just you know, and I'm like, you know, what's, what's wrong? What can I pray with you about? And they said, Granny. They called her Granny. Granny's done. Granny's done. I said, how old's Granny? She's 94. I said, what does Granny say? Granny's been saying she wanted to go home for two years. I looked him in the face. I said, let Granny go home. I said, would you pray a prayer with me right now? Let's believe God, Granny, go home. They, 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 all of a sudden, peace came on them. See, they were keeping her here. I said, they were keeping her here. And so I said, we just prayed a simple prayer. And Granny had a glorious home going that afternoon. And they had a glorious home going uh, uh, service the next couple of days after that. So you've got to pick your fight. You've got to be wise. You've got to, you've got, you're pulling people over to your side. You've got to be careful of the emotion of it. Amen. And there also needs to be things where God can see your faith. And that means not just you by yourself. You need to pull them into that. Amen. Does that help anybody today? Now lift up your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And we thank you for the word this morning that will bring revelation and blessing to each and every person. Now, real quick, if you're dealing with a situation like that, would you lift your hand up? Anybody at all? One, two, three. Four, five, six, a lot of people are. Well, let's just pray. Say out loud, Heavenly Father, today as I stand with my family, my loved one, or my friend, I ask you, number one, for wisdom. You said you give wisdom if we ask, and you give it liberally, and you're not mad when we ask for it. Thank you, Father, that I will remain on the level of the Word pulling them toward me, not me moving toward them. I will not allow the emotion of the situation to overcome me, but I will stand in faith, keep a check on my soul so that I might operate in the revelation, the wisdom, and the anointing of the Word of God. I agree in Jesus' name that the Word, that the Word will work on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you one more story? This might help you. When I married Leah, her father and her, our brother-in-law, drank together. And they didn't just drink. They drank. Uh, her dad, World War II veteran, uh, three years in the Pacific. You know, uh, her brother-in-law, Vietnam veteran, Marine Corps Wounded in battle, you know, and they just they just drank. And they drank a lot. And so Lee and I just made a decision. We're not gonna live and watch these people kill themselves with alcohol. But it was a five-year fight. It took us five years. And it didn't look like it's getting any better after five years. But I'm telling you, just like you snapped your finger. I mean, wasn't that amazing? Just like you snap your finger. Both of them set that bottle down, set those beers down, those Miller Lights, those highballs, and they never drank another another drop to this day. And, and it was just a fight. We just had to continue to agree. We just continued to not look at what we were seeing and be involved in it or, or, or let it phase us in any way. And we had to believe that when we used authority in the name of Jesus, it worked. And did you know it worked? So you just got to stay with it in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you during the week. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.